Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is Tuesday, April 30th, uh, 2019. It has been a while. Uh, it's been a while. It's certainly been a while since we got in a show from the car. Um, and, I mean, I'll be honest. It's um, I've been busy, and I apologize for not getting a show out for a little bit. Um, part of it is, honestly, I've been kind of trying to figure things out. And I wasn't really sure what to talk about, to be honest. And also work's kind of been kicking my butt. <laughs> um, so I've, I've been doing... I've been pretty busy at the day job. But I've also... Um, I'll talk about my ladder in a minute. But uh, one thing that has been keeping me busy that has kind of been taking a lot of my time... And, and I apologize that it's taking me away from the podcast a little bit. But hopefully you'll all appreciate uh, the reason. So I'm... If you follow the specialist meta, specialist tournament meta at all, you're probably familiar with the Kupaska and um, and no, Team No Pros here, who have been doing the specialist meta report. Uh, he, Kupaska in particular has been, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I think it's French, and I, and I probably should have asked him how to pronounce that before I started recording the show, but, uh, you know, it's this is the kind of... Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing you expect from me, right? Anyway, so, um, but if you, if you follow you know, any of the, the folks on Twitter, you follow the specialist meta. He's the one who's tweeting out a lot of the winner decks and some of the interesting decks from the qualifiers. And they've been putting up a, a specialist meta report. Uh, this is the, they just published number seven actually. So, you know, once a week for, as the specialist meta has been going on for, um, for qualifying for masters. And so I actually have just joined up with them and I'm working kind of as their data engineer right now. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I've, you know, if you've followed me for a while, you know, I do those dashboards for the HCT, um, HCT tournaments and, uh, there's, that's not going to be a whole lot of those anymore. (laughs) So I wanted to try to adapt kind of the work that I've done and not let it all just kind of wither on the vine. And, uh, you know, I, I, Kupaska has actually came into the, uh, the, the off curve discord and we were talking and, and we, I also had kind of on the side, uh, found some ways to get at some of the data from Battlefy. Um, and, and shout out to Mega Man Music also for helping me with like the last little bit that I was struggling with in terms of getting, uh, the rest of the data out. So, uh, this new, uh, meta report, it's kind of, it, it's, it's early days because I actually just got a lot of this working, like yesterday, (laughs) but I've been, I've been doing a lot of coding, uh, to try to pull a bunch of statistics out of the Battlefy data for the specialist qualifiers. I'm really excited about it. It's a fun project and it's something that there's a lot of interesting data that you can get out of that from, I mean, right now I'm just kind of scratching the surface and just getting kind of the same things that I've done for the HCT, uh, deck list, just getting the deck list out, uh, figuring out, you know, class representation, deck representation, uh, that sort of thing. But there is a lot more data in there in terms of, um, you know, class, you know, class matchups down to the game win rates. And you can start figuring out, um, you can start figuring out some things like uh, win percentage against for against particular classes or against particular decks. Once you start have that, you can do some things with match duration, which is certainly a hot topic right now. So I'm excited to be digging into that some more. And, um, you know, it's it's always good to do these things with 
uh, group of people actually has use cases. Because <laughs> I can, uh, you know, I've tried to do some of this kind of stuff in the past, but I have, I've kind of been figuring out what people want on my own. So it's good to have someone to bounce these things off of and have, you know, actual requirements and, and have something to have it be used for something at the end. So that's always, you know, I mean, anytime you, you work with anyone who works in, in development, they just want a lot of times, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I think I'm not alone in feeling this way that a lot of times you just kind of want your stuff to get used, um, and, and know that it's going to be helping people and appreciated. So, um, and, and that a hundred percent is so. I'm really excited to be working with those folks. There are a lot of good, a lot of good people in that group. And, um, you know, we're being able to bring some stuff out and help people in a way that, you know, is, is going to make a big difference. So anyway, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can go check that out. Um, really excited to be working with those folks. As far as my ladder is concerned, I, I peaked at rank one this month. It's the last day of the month. I'm not really feeling a legend push. I'm at like rank two, bottom of rank two right now. I'll probably play a few games just because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find my fun with it. Like I am really kind of, you know, and, and if you've been listening to the show for the last few, I uh, probably a few months, I guess, um, I've been really trying to strike a balance between my try hard tendencies and actually having fun with the game. And I, and so to that point, I was playing a lot of Bomb Warrior. There was a um, there was a Bomb Warrior and Vicious Syndicate that was basically Control Warrior with bombs. And that was like the only thing I was having success with. And I eventually, there was, I think it was Zerios who said, well, you know, you can just play, you can play Azelina in your Bomb Warrior and then you can get, you can get access to Archivist Louisiana when you need it. And, and I really like that tech. It's a little bit awkward sometimes, and it makes the end game a little bit weird. Cause you're trying to, you're, you're trying to play out all your bombs early, but you kind of need to do it in a way that you're not necessarily waiting for them to go to fatigue because you want to, you want to make sure that you're playing the Azelina at a point when you know, you're going to grab the Elysiana and then be able to continue the game. It was very good against warriors. The problem was that a lot of the warrior counters came out. There was a lot of uh, Bomb Hunter for uh, several days, and it got a little bit... It got very tedious, and, and quite frankly, there were a lot of Warriors on Ladder, too. And, like, there were a few times when I just ended up in, like, these 45-minute matches. Like, I got on the... I, I decided to queue up one game on the train, and I had this, this like, saga that I ended up regaling in Discord afterwards because it went to it went beyond fatigue. And I, I actually, I, I have to remember what actually happened with it because it was just like such a complete... I, I don't like using the word clown fiesta, but I can't really think of a better one. So I guess that's what we're going to go with. Um, but it was just like you know, bomb after bomb. And so basically I got there. I, I played my Azelina. I got their Elysiana and their brewmaster. They got a weaponized pinata from archivist Elysiana who gave them arch thief for farm, who gave them a face collector, who gave them a Shervala as I got them down to four health. So, and, and they'd already played, a Nazari earlier in the game 
uh, which was, you know, that was the first time I got them down to seven. And then, so they healed up to 30. And then they, again, when I got them down to four, they got a Shervala off of Rafam. And, and luckily, I guess luckily, um, we hit the turn timer before, because they were finally starting to get bored back. And as I was about to start panicking that we hit the turn timer, but that was like a 45 minute game on the train. And that was getting to be a little bit much. And it was just getting kind of tiring and I was starting to not enjoy it very much. So that's when I switched off the warrior. I tried a few things. I ended up with big shaman, which is not as good win rate wise, win rate wise, but it's a fun deck and it, it does reasonably well. I stream with it on Sunday night. And the idea of it is that you're running muck morphers, which are the five mana four, four that, um, transforms into a copy of something else in your deck. Um, you have Eureka, which summons a copy of a, a minion from your hand. You have, um, you have Ancestral Spirit, which resummons the minion. You have Big Bad Voodoo, which summons a minion that costs one mana more when it dies. And you, you just basically run bombs. You have Cairn, you have, um, you have Cairn, you have two copies of Walking Fountain, you have a, a Ysera, a Big Bad, Ar- Big Bad Archmage, which is the, the 10 mana 6-6, six, six, who summons another 6-drop. And is that it? Oh, and an Alakir, because he can go face. And it's been fun. It's, it's, I've, my win rate is kind of like in the, between 50 and 60, but it, you can get over, you get ahead of a warrior if you get the right draw. And you have enough healing to outlast a rogue. And, and I mean, I've embarrassed some zoos. The, the problem is Warriors just making ladder really kind of tedious right now. Um, so, you know, I don't want to necessarily be calling for Nurse, but I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to if they do change something just to make that a little bit less oppressive, just because the, the common, even, even now it's not just specialist, but even on ladder, the combination of, of all the warrior removal tools, along with Dr. Boom and Archivist Elysiana, just leads to a lot of slow games and it makes it kind of hard to ladder when you have limited time, because some of those games just go forever. If you're not just like conceding to the warrior and then you're still losing a lot of that time anyway. Um, and that, that's kind of why I'm being a little bit kind to myself this month, just because I've still been trying to figure out the meta and, and I was playing a very slow deck for a while. And even when I'm not playing a slow deck, I'm playing against other people who are playing slow decks. Um, I'm hoping I'm able to figure some stuff out for next month, but you know, again, I'm not, I'm not going to let that kind of dictate my, you know, whether I feel like I have been successful or not. Like, you know, that's something that I've done enough times. I know I can do it. It's just sometimes it doesn't work out. So today I want to talk about randomness because I think that's something I'm certainly something that I've struggled with and something that it seems like a lot of us have kind of been struggling with. And it, and it came up fairly front and center in uh, the HCT World's finals this past week. If you haven't watched it, you should. Uh, I I don't want to spoil it too much, but let's just say that Game 5 of the World Championship Finals and one of the players was playing Zoo and kept Archvillain Rafam in his opening hand, and it was played on curve. And fireworks ensued. It was... I mean... There was actually kind of a conversation in... I don't think it was in my Discord. I think it was in the Coin Concede Discord. This was like 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Like, I'd just woken up and this match was starting. <laughs> so, because of the, the times from how, when the HCTs um, were running. But, it, you know, it kind of 
throw up a conversation about, you know, if that affects the competitive integrity of the game to have it that heavily affected by randomness. And, and to be fair, right, like Rise of Shadows, there was a, a tweet that I think Zeddy put out who said that this was the most number of cards with the, the word random printed on them possibly ever. I mean, certainly Goblins versus Gnomes had a lot of those. And there was a time in Hearthstone's history, if you if you haven't been playing for super long, uh, there was a time not too long ago when the when Yog Saron decided games very regularly. Yog Saron was a card from Whispers of the Old Gods, and it was one of the you know one of the the titular old gods. It was a ten mana seven five that would play a spell randomly. With uh, a spell, play a spell, a random spell with random targets for every spell that you cast that game. So, generally, the the strategy with Yog and and, and just so that we're all understanding each other, I was like a Yog savant back then. Like I got Yog Saron, I got very few legendaries in my Whispers of the Old Gods packs. That was the first time I pre-ordered for an expansion. And I got very few legendaries, and Yog saron was, like, uh, one of the first few packs that I opened after my initial packs. And I was just like, I'm going to find a way to get to make this card good. And I played a lot of Yog Tempo Mage. I played a lot of Yog Token Druid. And there was one point a year later when I was playing Yog Control Priest. And that deck was fun, by the way. But... There was a time when it when it was deciding tournament games and and there and there was a feeling and it wasn't wrong that it made your decisions not matter because you would just basically try to live long enough and then you would play that card and just hope it bailed you out and it would you know the the thing with randomness is that and we've talked about this on the show a few times that as you throw more random effects in, you're going to regress to the mean. So if you think about it this way, right? Like if you flip a coin once, it's going to land on heads or tails. And you have probably a 50% chance to figure out if it's going to land on heads or tails. But the more coins you flip, the the closer that ratio goes to 50%. Like you're going to get half heads and half tails, you know, within some deviation, Right. And, and Yogg-Saron was the same way, because what it would do is it would do, like, several things, typically. It would generally wipe the board. It would generally summon minions for you. And it would, you know, there were a couple of other effects that it would have. And every once in a while, there were outliers. Uh, well, oh, gosh, what was that card in Druid um, that... There was a card in Druid, I forget what the name of it is, and I'm, I'm kicking myself that I am that would give you 10 mana crystals and discard your hand. And so there was a very real chance sometimes that if you played Yogg with too full of a hand, that you would end up discarding it. If you played it with too full of a board, you might end up wiping it. And if you were, if there were board buffs, you could buff your opponent's minions. Like, there was a lot of things that could happen. But, you know, Call of the Wild was a card that summoned all three animal companions. Once you got into Karazhan, there were all of the portal cards that summoned a random X-cost minion. 
So it, it got pretty consistent, even though it was a number, even though it was a number of random spells. Like there were enough spells in every class, in every type of bucket that it would do kind of predictable things. And so, you know, and, and, and it was a neutral card, so anyone could run it, right? And, and so Druid would run that in lieu of, like, having legitimate removal and having a legitimate board clear, because it would just run that, and it would pretty often clear the board. So what does that have to do with now? Well, so we have a number of decks that rely pretty heavily on random effects. We have uh, a rogue that is full in, full on burgle tempo rogue, that runs blink foxes and it runs hench clan burglar, and sometimes it'll even go so far as to run pilfer, not often, but you know once in a while. And you have lackeys that are going to come out of the evil miscreant. The evil miscreant sometimes discovers spells for you. They can you have shadow steps to bounce all those things back to your hand. Uh, you, you have a lot of, of randomly generated effects. Same thing with Dr. Boom. Dr. Boom has a random hero power every turn, and sometimes that discovers you a mech, and sometimes it gives you... Uh, sometimes you're, you're, you play a mega assembly, and you get three more random mechs. And all those mechs have rush, by the way, which is really why that, one of the reasons that that's so oppressive. And then sometimes those decks are playing bombs, and those, those bombs get shuffled into your deck, and they're going to go off, but you don't know when. And so it can be very frustrating to to be playing a game where you're relying on your skill to navigate situations and then come up against something that's completely unexpected. Like there's a lot and and to be fair to be clear, we've spent a lot of time in the year of the raven playing around very predictable decks. And again, that's what Genenbach who did uh, they made those decks very predictable. Very often, those decks wouldn't really run much in the way of, of randomly generated effects. And it would... You know, you, you knew roughly how to play every game. Every game was going to go more or less the same way. And now you're getting routinely... I don't know about routinely, but it's, it's very often that you're going to be getting blown out by a card that says created by underneath it when it's played. And that can be very discouraging because it can make you feel like your skill as a player, especially in terms of playing around things, doesn't matter. It can make you feel like you had no chance in a game even though you were doing all the right things. And and that is how ga- how card games work, right? But there's a there's a limit to it. Like in a in a paper card game, you can't have all of these randomly generated effects. Oh, well, they, they have other ish, other times when games are kind of predecided for you. They're like a game like Magic or like Eternal has mana screw and mana flood, where you just keep drawing lands and the lands don't do anything for you at a certain time, or you or you don't draw enough lands and you just lose. Um, but you know, it can be very discouraging, especially when you're la- doing a serious ladder session, to feel like you played a game where you had you just didn't have a chance and things were decided by a roll of the dice rather than by the decisions that you made that game. So, is it actually true that your decisions don't matter? If that's the case and and I don't think it I don't think it is true. Now, there are some games that are just not going to be winnable. Like there's sometimes that your opponent's just going to get the perfect card and it's going to blow you out. Like you talk like that game that I was talking about with the Shrivalas on the top of at the top of the show. Like that's a perfect example of... I mean, I didn't lose that game, but I didn't win it either. We went to the turn limit. 
but you know, I, I was able to get them close to, to lethal twice and then they were able to heal up to full after that. Uh, on the other hand, I had another game that I think that was, this was the game I was talking about on the show with hat where, you know, I played against a, a, a warlock who had Rafam and Rafam gave them Shervala and Glinda Crowskin and they got like six Shervalas. And then I was able to use the cards in my deck to mind control tech and then Conjurer's Calling the Shrivalas and, and flip the board. And, you know, I won that game and despite the fact that they had just the perfect roll off of, off of the Rafam. So what does that mean, right? Like, like the thing is that this is something that happens to us as constructed players a lot. And one of the things I haven't been playing, I haven't been playing as much arena as I would probably should be. Uh, but one of the, th- I, I have played a, a lot of it in the past and I play a little bit of it here and there, mainly to prep for card reviews at this point. But one of the things you learn from arena is, is how to play around things as opposed to cards. It's, it's, it's an ele- inelegant way of saying it. But when you're playing in arena, you don't have full information as to what's in the other person's deck. They could put a, pull out a Deathwing, right? Like, you can get blown out by all sorts of things that they were drafting that you weren't suspecting. But those... There are generally things, even without full information or, or, or close to full information of what's in your opponent's deck, there are still things you can generally play around um, and, and things you can do to help yourself in that situation. Like, if you are keeping track, like, like one of the things is the bombs, right? Like the bombs are pretty easy to play around. I mean, you can't always do something about it, but all you have to do with the bombs is just subtract five from your life total for every bomb that's in your deck, right? So now you're playing around it. So now if you're at 15, at 16 and there are three bombs in your deck, you're not going to die. If there are four bombs in your deck, then you're living on borrowed time and you need to either kill your opponent quickly before the bombs matter, or you need to heal up so that the bombs won't kill you. But it's on you as the player facing the bombs to keep track of how many bombs are in your deck at any given time, and then act accordingly and get your health total to the point where those bombs won't blow you out. Because, or, or sometimes, or just kind of accept that you're living on borrowed time and know that you're dead at any moment. Because Honestly, that five damage is coming, right? Like, like the thing is that the five damage is random, and that's what makes it feel bad. But ultimately, like, the bomb is going to do the five damage. So if you just change your mindset to say, okay, they just play a Clockwork Goblin, they've done five damage to me. I, you know, I may not have had that happen yet, but it's going to happen. If the game goes long enough, they will do that five damage to me with the bomb that's in my deck. So I may as well just account for it now. And then at least you're not surprised. You may be bummed. Like, you know, stuff happens. But at least you won't be, like, forgetting about the bomb being there and all of a sudden, like, the bomb comes and gets you. You know that it's there. You may be playing, you know, butt clenched the whole time. <laughs> you know, like, while you're while you're playing, knowing that that's there. But at least if you're accounting for it, then you won't be surprised by it, and that's kind of, like, where a lot of the feels bad come from. Like, as far as, like, the the generated effects, like, every card kind of has 
a range of possible effects and it's more so with discover than with just like complete random generation but if you can kind of think about not so much like specific cards like you have to play around the specific cards in your deck if you're playing it's a warrior you need to play around a brawl but if they've discovered a mech you may as well plan for it being omega devastator right because it's very likely what they're going to pick and if they do, they're gonna. That's what. If they get off for it, they're gonna pick it, and it's going to blow away your minions. So you need to be prepared for that. Um, if you're playing it's a rogue, it's a little bit harder because the range is wider. But even then, right? Like you're you're a mage, or not? Well, the the, the hench clan burglar can pick from any other class, right? So that's a really wide range. But like, what kinds of things just exist that can blow you out? Now you can't play around any of them, and sometimes it's just a matter of saying, well, hey, if they have that, I lose. But, and, and you, you don't even necessarily have enough time to think of all of them, but there are common things that you'd be worried about. You'd be worried about a Polymorph. You'd be worried about Hex. You'd be worried about Flame Strike, about, you know, Witch's Brew, even a Hagathus Scheme. Like, you know, those types of things. Like, you, you can at least account for them. Now, how much weight you give it to them? Probably not a whole lot, because at the end of the day, it's you know, it's one random card and it could be anything. But if you're thinking about that, right, again, you can plan around it a little bit and, and you kind of get into these, well, how do I lose situations? And that's when you can start thinking of like, well, what's the worst possible thing that they can get off of a randomly, off of a random effect? And then just play around that, right? Like, play as though they have that card in their hand if you're so far ahead that you can afford to do that. And if not, then just don't worry about it. But just be aware that there's that card in their hand and, and that can happen. But, you know, for every time you're going to get blown out by a card like that, it's also going to be a dud. And it's going to be like a Totemic Might or something. Right? So you need to... You also... The other thing that helps you is kind of keeping track of your own good luck. Because it's very easy to say, well, of course they have that. They always get the best rolls. And first of all, they don't. But you don't always see the cards that they pick that they don't play because they're awkward. But also you can kind of balance this out by keeping track of your good luck. Cause as one of the natural biases we have just as human beings is we're going to, uh, prioritize things that feel bad over things that feel good. And so it's very easy to lose track of some of the, the good RNG that you've gotten and focus on the bad RNG that your opponent's gotten. Of course they got another Omega Devastator off of the, off of the Dr. Boom. Of course they got a flame strike off of the, the hench clan burglar. But like you're probably playing cards that do random things too. And I guarantee you, you've gotten a high roll once or twice. And so, you know, focus on those things too. And that kind of helps it even out and, and kind of counters out some of the feels bad. And, and, you know, ultimately your, a lot of the skill that's being tested in a metal like this. And, and this is a conversation that also came up as part of the HTT worlds as well. A lot of the skill that is being tested is your skill to adapt to situations, right? Like, you, you may not be able to play around those cards, but you at least can play around the situations that would lead to those cards being good. And you can also adapt to whatever wackiness is getting thrown out in front of you. And that's where a lot of your skill starts to shine. It's not so much like your, your technical skill in terms of knowing the matchup and knowing like what card you, what turn you need to play what card when but also your improvisational skills those are skills too like as soon as a plan goes out the window 
you need to be able to adapt, and that will make you a better player. Like, looking for some of the lines, and even if you don't win the game, sometimes you can just make plays that are good under the circumstances and kind of be happy with that and, and take that as, as growth as well. So there's a lot of things you can do to kind of protect yourself mentally from, the, uh, from, from all of the randomness and still be able to enjoy the game. And, you know, it's, I would imagine that we're, pro- we're probably going to get some balance changes soon anyway. I don't think those are going to touch any of the random effects. But I think that, you know, at a certain point, it's important to remember why you're enjoying the game, right? And I think those situations, like, as much as they suck when you're trying to climb the legend, those situations are the things we tell stories about. Like, I'm not going to tell a story about the fact that I played, I, I played, my, Baku activated, and then I played a, um, and then I played Hero Power on two, and I played a, a Secret Keeper on one, right? Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares about how Odd Warrior did. But sometimes those games where you've got these random effects that can chain and just get you into these weird board states you've never seen before. That's what keeps the game fresh and interesting. And if you can kind of think of it like that, it might be a little bit easier to stomach all the randomness that you're, that you're having to face and all the times that you're getting beaten by a card that says created by underneath it. All right. So that's it for this week. A little bit shorter episode than usual, but you know, I need to get my, get a little bit of my groove back as it were. Um, you can, as always, you can um, follow the show's account on Twitter at at, um, at Off Curve, and you can follow me on Twitter at Wicked Good. You can find all of the links to, uh, in the show notes, including a link to uh, the No Pros Here Specialist Meta that I am now involved in uh, helping to build at um, OffCurve.com, and you can also uh, follow me on Twitch at Twitch.OffCurve.com, and you can join the Discord. And come talk about things at uh, at discord.offcurve.com. Uh, you can also leave a review on iTunes. Haven't gotten one of those in a while, but that that's okay. I understand that th- those take a little bit of time, and you know, not everyone's in a position. But if you are, if you do have five minutes, and you'd like to go over to iTunes and and leave a review, um, it would be very much appreciated. And also, don't forget you can support the show uh, through the link that's on the show notes page or at offcurve.com as well. So, um, I hope you're enjoying the new meta, even, you know, despite some of the feels bad moments, but hopefully you're still enjoying it. And we've got a lot of this meta left to go. And, and I imagine it'll get shaken up again soon anyway. So enjoy this and hopefully you're doing well with your legend push. Good luck to you and whatever your, whatever your goals are, uh, this month and, and into next month and, um, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.